Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one of my podcast. I'm recording this very first episode in the second to last day that my wife and I are here in this apartment in Michigan. We are about to move back to Oregon. So this is a very, very uh, uh, big transition for both of us. We've been out here. I've been here for a year. She's been here for four years. And we're in the process of packing everything up, moving back. We've got two little puppies, getting them ready to go. And it occurred to me on the precipice of this very big change in our lives that it was the perfect time to start this podcast, start my YouTube channel, and really sort of start to spread the message of what I want to get out there. Um, and that is, and essentially, I'll, I'll just give you the, <laughs> we'll skip to the last page right here. But what I want to do, why I'm doing this is because I've done a lot of things wrong in life. There's simply no other way to put it. I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, I've done things, you know, the, not the right way the first time around. But I've also been very, very fortunate in that I've had a lot of second chances. I've had a lot of opportunities to go back, do things again, make things right, and learn from those experiences. So the whole purpose of of what I want to share with you, the whole purpose of what I'm trying to get across is sharing my life stories, taking a look at the consequences of what I did, taking a look at how I chose to do things, sort of diving deep into the decisions I made, and, and um, not only sharing a lot of laughable memories, because honestly, it's quite funny, but sort of giving you an idea of, of, of different ways to do things. Not only that, but there's a little bit more too. I also want to try to explore the idea of taking a look at different ways of framing things and different ways of sort of interpreting life's challenges and life situations. Because really, I've gotten to the point where I think that life is just what you make it. If you take a look at a situation, the situation has no emotional value. There's nothing, you know, that a, a, a bad situation or a good situation brings to you. It's what you make of it. So let's say, you know, just hypothetically speaking, you win the lottery, hooray. Many people would have the knee-jerk reaction of initially being very happy and excited, perhaps a little bit apprehensive, scared, which is absolutely the you know a very understandable way to take a look at things. But what if you take a look, what if what if one was to take a look at winning the lottery as, oh, just something else I have to deal with, very mundane, sort of now I have to fill out taxes, now I have to contemplate how I'm going to tell my family, what am I going to do when everyone starts coming after me for money, oh, this, oh boy. And, and then what if you start to transcend into, well, this really wasn't a good thing. You see the emotional spectrum of how winning the lottery can have so many different outcomes in terms of emotions? Well, it's, it's that idea and that sort of exploration that I'm really excited to be talking about through these podcasts and through my YouTube channel, just taking a look at so many things in life and how they can affect us and how we can choose to have them affect us. Because I, I'm, I'm all for happiness and all for increasing happiness in life. And I think through just a little bit of thought and exploration, we can increase our happiness and make things better. So I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm, I'm here to uh, just tell you what I've done and let you know how that's worked out, if it's worked out. Let you know when it hasn't worked out. And there's a lot of times when things haven't worked out. I'm, I'm uh, almost 100% certain that in the future when I tell you about something, you're going to go, oh, God, why'd you do that? And ha, <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Because, hey, apparently I, I like to learn things by doing it wrong the first time around, which is my M.O., not, not doing it right the first time, but maybe if I was lucky occasionally getting it right the second or third time around. But just this whole, my whole view towards life is, has really been boiled down into taking a look at everything that happens to us and categorizing them 
I really believe that everything that happens to us in life can be sort of placed into one of three separate buckets or, or areas. And these, just generally speaking, are work, or, you know, our occupations. But in addition, not only do I mean work, but how we fill up our days, what we do because we have to, sort of the requirements uh, that life places upon us and how we navigate those requirements just to simply get through our, our daily existence. Then the second category is relationships because we're social creatures. Uh, no person is an island born unto themselves. I think that was <laughs> my college alma mater. I'm <laughs> totally butchering that. <laughs> The second area is relationships, because we're all social creatures. We all seek companionship to some degree, whether that's from uh, a spouse, a friend, an acquaintance, a family member, uh, co-workers. I could, the list just goes on and on. But we all need some sort of interaction in our lives and, and how to make those interactions and make those relationships better for us and better for the other person is A, very doable and be very rewarding if done right. So we're going to take a look at that area of life as well, of just how to interact with other people. But also in my category of relationships, I don't mean just, just relationships with people because while those are nice, those aren't the limits of our social existence. I also include in this category the relationships we have with non-human things, entities, whatever you want to call it, like our relationships with pets. I've got two little pups, which are absolutely wonderful and bring so much happiness to my days. The relationships that we have with activities such as traveling or maybe playing chess or sitting down at the river, just watching, you know, the water flow by the, the sort of the things that we enjoy as pastimes or the things that just bring us pleasure, whether that be social media. There's a lot of people I know saying, oh, social media is bad and you should stop scrolling through it. Why? <laughs> if you like it, why stop doing it? <laughs> Maybe there could be a little bit of room for sort of fine tuning and adjusting or redirecting your energies or limiting or, or looking at different types of social media. But I don't think in, in that it's a bad thing. I don't think it's this you know terrible <laughs> drain of time or energy or life that a lot of people are, are saying it is. I also don't think it's causing people to be more socially isolated. I think it's actually helping to connect people. So uh, relationships to me is a very broad category, romantic, personal, the, rela the relationships we have with just the, the world around us. Basically think of, think of a relationship as how you interact with everything around you, everything that you come into contact with. And so we'll be talking about that category as well, because there's a lot that I've done not so right or or let me, let me rephrase that there's a lot that i've done super not so right in terms of relationships and fortunately there are some things that i've done that have worked out really well and have made me just so grateful and thankful for for some of the things and the way they've turned out finally the third category and i have to admit this might be the most fun is recreating and recreating i take to mean everything that we do that isn't required such as some you know work or errands or chores but things that we do in our pastimes things that we do for pleasure the things that we do just sort of to seek enjoyment what do you enjoy and how can we take a look at what we enjoy and make those things more enjoyable? What are some ways of finding other things that we enjoy? Trying some new areas, exploring the world. There's so much out there. And I know I tend to have sort of a myopic view on existence and I get stuck in my ruts. <laughs> and part of that might be genetic, as my dad says. He, love, he loves ruts so deep he can't even see out of them. <laughs> Thanks, dad. <laughs>
So taking a look at the way we navigate through life, there's a lot of overlap in these areas, and that's good. There's a lot of things that can fall into one or two or all three of these categories, and then there's no set boundaries between any of them. Now, there are some things that can fall into different categories. Um, for example, with work, uh, our job, our profession, our occupation. What if, what if the job you went to every day or the profession you had was not just your occupation, but it was also something you enjoyed? What if you got enjoyment, you know, a tremendous amount of happiness or pleasure out of your job and you saw it more of recreating that you happen to get paid for? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I think that that can happen. I, I think a lot of us have experienced this. I think uh, a lot of us are very close to experiencing that. And I think it's, it's very achievable to have your job be something that you cherish. And to reach that point isn't easy. Uh, sometimes we may feel like we're stuck in a dead-end job. Sometimes we feel like we're, we may feel like we're not um, where we want to be in life. But that can change. Everything can always change. There's no, no constant in the universe ever. There's, there's nothing that stays the same. But I do understand that change sometimes brings about a little bit of fear and apprehension. And why is that? Well, I want to talk about that too. I want to talk about why we get stuck into a pattern of life that we may not be incredibly thrilled with, but don't do anything to make it different. And just as a primer, just as a, you know, again, looking ahead, I think it's because of fear. We have set up our lives and what we see in front of us is what we know and anything that we can't see immediately, anything that isn't right here right now is the unknown. And there's just a natural tendency to associate unknown with fear. That may not be the right way to look at it, that there's no reason to believe that there's going to be a negative outcome, but I think it's just a human tendency to associate sort of things that we don't know or haven't experienced yet with fear. There's another way to say it. <laughs> we get afraid of what we don't know about. So we've got what we like, we've got what we do, and then sometimes we have things ahead of us that we can't see that we're afraid of. So jumping right into it, let's take a look at the concept of moving. In two days, my wife and I are going to be leaving Michigan, where we've been for quite a while, and driving across the country and relocating in Oregon. So this is going to be a really big move for both of us. Now, if you take a look at the top five most stressful life events, just a quick Google search, in the top five, moving is, is one of those major life stressors. Um, other big life events that cause stress are the death of a loved one, divorce, major illness or injury, and loss of a job. I also think that <laughs> marriages um, rank right up there, but that's a, a good kind of stress. It's maybe not a distress, but there's a use stress. But back on the subject of moving, I see there's two ways to look at it. Well, actually, there's a lot of ways to look at it. You can look at it as leaving everything behind, saying goodbye to your friends, saying goodbye to the way of life that you know, and not having anything ahead of you to look forward to. Or you can look at it as this part of my life is about to change and I'm going to try something new. I now have the opportunity to go to a new place. I have the opportunity to meet new friends. I have the opportunity to grow past where I was before. I can also look at it as where I'm going to go, I have a chance to make my life better and improve upon everything that I've already been doing in the past. Like I have friends, I can make some new friends, new rabbit holes, new ways of life. It's about changing perspective and reframing current 
just viewpoints. It's not the leaving behind of things. That is what's so difficult to get past. I was actually thinking about it yesterday and I realized well, I'm going to miss, miss Michigan. I'm going to miss the lake here. I'm going to miss you know, what I've gotten used to. But there's so much out there that I haven't gotten used to. And I don't see that yet because it's not real. It's not in front of me. And I'm too, too temporal, too locked into my current existence to realize that there's more. There's more out of us. There's more that, can be, that, that I haven't seen yet. And it's that lack of realization that's causing this little bit of sadness, a little bit of, little bit of misery. Now, reframing that, reframing my outlook, what if instead I were to say, in less than 24 hours... I will be starting on a new adventure. Ahead of me awaits new experiences, new people that I'll have a chance to meet, an enjoyable way of life, the chance to start putting down roots, the chance to start on the next part of my life, whatever it is that I want to do. I won't be in this holding pattern of knowing that moving is coming up and there and that I'm just waiting to get out of here and get things going down the road. So it's about reframing. I could also take a look at it if I really wanted to explore all the options of saying, oh, this is a very long, dangerous car trip across the United States. It's 2,300 miles from Michigan to Oregon. I'm worried about getting there safely. What if something happens along the way? What if we run out of gas? What if we puncture a tire? What if we get in a wreck? There's, there's so many fears that I could interject into this. I could really bring myself down. Taking the exact same thing, a long road trip across the United States, I could say to myself, I've never driven this part of the country before. I'm going to go through North Dakota. I've never seen that state. I may never see that state again. This is a wonderful opportunity to see new parts of the nation that I haven't. It's a chance to experience new things that I haven't before. I will be driving through Minnesota. I've heard many good things about Minnesota, and I'll finally get to see it. Finally, so much of, of what I've been hearing about and reading about and looking at pictures of online are about to come true. This is an amazing opportunity. I'm right on the precipice of enriching myself, becoming more worldly, if you will, becoming more experienced and, and seeing more out there, adding to the memories that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. In that context... In that way of looking at things, this road trip becomes an amazing opportunity. One context, one contextual shift, or one, one way of changing perspectives that I've learned is to sort of look at things through different lenses. This is just a, another way of reframing things, but it helps me kind of conceptualize a little bit better how to navigate through life and, and how to process the experiences that I come across and understand what's going on. And lenses, everyone has their own lens. We see the world through our own eyes, through our own interpretations, through our own personal filters, and we become very, very set and focused and, and myopic in that view. We don't or we rarely are able to expand our viewpoints to take in other people's opinions, other people's points of view, other people's thoughts. So when things happen, we become, or at least I become, apprehensive. I don't understand what's going on. It's a misunderstanding. Frustrations can arise until I apply the lens of someone else, something else, or the rest of the world. So by that I mean, let's take, let's take a look at the, an example and apply it to moving. With moving, I have the lens of me, a guy that works from home, has two puppy dogs sitting next to him most of the day, and rarely gets out and is looking forward to this adventure. That's, that's one lens. Another lens is 
as I said before, someone who's about to make a long distance road trip, this road trip could be potentially dangerous for the wary traveler. This road trip could be something that's kind of scary, for lack of a better word. And that's the lens of, I think, of the, what's the best way to put it? The the cautiously optimistic traveler, (laughs) hoping for the best, but looking for every little stone in the road. Which lens do I choose to apply? Because I'm not forced into either one. I can choose which of those lenses I want to apply and how to look at this upcoming move, this upcoming road trip. And to be honest, I'm going to choose the first one. I'm going to choose it as, as the lens of a person who is working from home and now has the opportunity to see parts of the United States that he hasn't seen before. Just as a side note, to sort of expand upon empathy and and understanding other people's opinions, let's just for a moment apply the lens of these two little puppy dogs that are sitting next to me right now. They don't know what's going on. They are five months old as of yesterday. Their experience of the world is very limited. The longest car trip they've ever been on is maybe 45 minutes. They don't know why they're going to be sitting in the car for 40 hours. As every moment passes by in the car, they don't understand what's happening, but they have no control over it. So I believe in that kind of situation, they're going to be filled with uncertainty and stress. It's going to cause them a lot of distress to be in the back of the backseat of the truck for such a long period of time. Now, of course, you know, my wife and I have gone through as many steps as we can to try to make sure they're safe. We've installed a dog hammock. We have uh, a little pet bed that we've put back there. We've put a little um, dog grate so they can't come into the front or wander around where they're not supposed to be. And this dog hammock, is it, it's supposed to actually um, keep them in place in case of an accident. It sort of surrounds them and catches them like a big mitt or a big net <laughs> if something something happens. So we're trying to make them as safe as possible. We're going to have the collars on the entire time. We've taken the step of getting them chipped. Uh, we have um, tags for their collars with our phone numbers and our addresses. We've taken all the steps we can to make sure that they're going to be safe, but this has to happen. Now, again, returning to the dog's point of view, they have to trust us. They have no other choice. Or if they don't trust us, they have to exist in the backseat of the truck for 40 hours. As an owner, I have the responsibility of trying to make it as pleasant for them as possible. There's nothing more they can do than simply exist, be back there, be little puppy dogs. That's all they can do. And there's no way for them to know that this isn't going to last forever. It's a temporary change uh, from what they're used to. And when we get to where we're going, they're going to have a much better life, a bigger yard. What dog doesn't want a bigger yard? Uh, uh, A better home, or I would actually say a slightly larger home to run around in, and they're going to meet new people as well. They're going to meet our families. So the puppies don't know it, but their existence is going to be changed for the better also. That's the lens of the puppy dogs, and simply understanding what position they're going to be in helps me to be less, I would say, frustrated if they act up or short with them if if they start misbehaving along the trip, because I know now, after having thought about it, they are going to be in a pretty stressful situation. 
And patience and understanding is the best way to, to, to deal with that. Let's, let's apply another lens. Let's apply the lens of our families. Our families haven't seen us in months. We've been forced to stay in Michigan and couldn't travel because of recent world events. So our family's going to be extremely happy to see us when we get back. And they would love to, both sides of our families, love to see us as soon as possible. So from the lens of, say, my parents, I know they want to see me. They want to see Erica. They want us to come visit them as soon as possible. And of course, we want to see them. Then similarly for her parents, they've got the lens of wanting to see her, wanting to see us as quickly as possible as well. They are anxious for us to come back. They definitely don't want us to stay in Michigan. They want this move to happen. They wish this move had happened a long time ago, but they understand that we had to be out here for work and for school. It was just necessary. So they're patient. Their lens is one of patient parents waiting for children to come back to be closer to them, waiting for family to come see them again. That's that's very understandable. Now, as as their family members, as their offspring, as their kiddos, we have a duty not to delay in seeing them. It, we have the responsibility to try to see each side of the family as quickly as possible when we return, balanced, of course, with the necessary precautions of quarantining to make sure we're not asymptomatic carriers or anything along those lines, as well as getting our stuff settled into the town that we're going to move into, the little town of Pendleton up there. But we have the duty of taking care of us, our, us ourselves, our pups, and then seeing family who has been so supportive and so loving while we've been gone as quickly as possible. Because the parent's lens, the other family member's lens is, we want to see you. You've been gone a long time. We miss you. That's their lens. So by simply applying these different lenses and shifting perspective and reframing how to approach something like a move... Not only does the stress associated with it go away, the fear disappears, the apprehension disappears, the work involved to get ready for moving, which was a lot. Oh my gosh, I do not enjoy moving. But the work suddenly becomes worth it. I'm now looking forward to this move. I can't wait for it to happen. It's, it's actually becoming difficult to sleep at night. And this is one of the most happiest times of my life. It really is. But it wasn't that way at first. At first, I was scared. I was nervous. I wasn't really looking forward to this. But after everything that I've done, I've completely shifted my outlook. And I'm so excited. I'm also very curious what the future has to hold, exactly what shape and path our lives will take when we're out there. I have no idea. I don't know who we're going to meet. I don't know what it's going to be like living in Pendleton. But I know me. I know Erica. And I know we're going to make the best of it that we possibly can. We have great communication skills between the two of us. We're on the same page. We want nothing but the best for each other and our relationship and our family. Oh, by the way, as another side note, and hey, I told you I'd be going on on a lot of tangents quite frequently. But I read that one of the best predictors of success in a relationship is another's partner's willingness to make changes. Now, that goes contrary to what we've probably always been told. Oh, don't let him change you or oh, don't let her change you. But if you're willing to make changes to sort of smooth over the rough spots in your relationship, if you're willing to take the other person's viewpoint into account and sort of look through their lens at situations and willing to make changes yourself to work for not only your partner's happiness, but in a relationship, if you're working for both of your happiness, if you're willing to do that, that's the greatest indicator of success that there possibly can be in a relationship. 
Now, it may seem like, oh, you're going to subvert yourself to the will of another. No, that's not it at all. You, don't, you know, there's the caveat of you don't want to do something that's going to disadvantage you. You don't want to put yourself in a vulnerable position or always give in. It's not giving in. It's about reaching compromises and it's about talking through things. And it's about understanding what the other person wants, understanding what you want and having both of your needs met with the same decision. And that's the hard part is getting both of your needs met at once. It's easy to meet one person's needs while not meeting another's needs, but that's only gonna lead to frustration. You don't wanna go down that path. I tried that, by the way, which is a story for another day, but oh, I had a long-term relationship where it was kind of one-sided and one of our uh, desires and wishes always get, got met at the expense of the other one. And boy, <laughs> Did that ever end up on the shoals of bitterness and just no fun? Oh, wow. Talk about running your ship on a hard reef of disappointment. There you go. That's a great way to do it. Make sure you're never happy in a relationship. That's guaranteed failure. <laughs> so where I was going with this is once we get out there, Eric and I, I know us. I know us as a couple. I know who we are as people. And I know our ability to adapt and change. And we want the best possible life that we can have. We've already discussed a lot of things ahead of time, our work lives, our home routines, our family life, who's going to be doing what, which responsibilities are going to be doing or, or going to be lying with whom. Ooh, I wonder if I should say who or whom there. I read the other day that if you could say he or she instead of who, then it should be who. But if you can, it should be whom. I don't know if that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. But if you can say the responsibilities are going to be lying with she, then it should be who. And another tangent. <laughs> I'm off into the deep end of forgetting where I was. Oh, I remember. I know that the life we're going to build out there is the life we want because we've been planning this step for such a long time. And we've been moving towards this for such a long time that we have already set ourselves up for success. And because of that planning, now we can kind of sit back and just simply execute and let those next steps happen. Now, here's the really interesting part. No matter how well we've planned, no matter what we've done or said or, or how we've tried to set ourselves up for this, there's always going to be some uncertainty and some unknown. We can't predict everything that's going to happen, uh, either while we're out and living out in Pendleton, when we first moved there, after we've been living there for a year or two or five or ten, or we can't even predict what's going to happen on the way back. So there is uncertainty involved. That's just the way it is. But when faced with that uncertainty, if, you, if I just tell myself, I'll be okay no matter what, hey, A, it usually works out, and B, usually I am. I'm okay no matter what. But that also builds confidence in that knowing you can overcome those situations. I used to be in a position a long time ago of not having the self-confidence of being able to, to just essentially survive in the world. And that was a great source of concern. I used to have the opinion or the sort of the outlook that this world is a big, scary place where everyone's out just to get you. Well, it might be. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the way the world is. But it doesn't matter if you have the abilities to address that and approach that and overcome those obstacles. And you do have those abilities. I have those abilities. Everyone has those abilities. Sometimes it's easier than others. Sometimes there's, there's more happiness involved than other times, but we've all got the ability to make it through life. We've, we woke up this morning. <laughs> we woke up yesterday morning. We're here right now. And the more times that I face challenges like this of moving, the more confident I become and the more happy I am with life because I realize no matter what happens, I'll figure a way to deal with it. I'll, I'll think through it. I'll be able to make changes if necessary and overcome and put myself in a better position. If you take a look at your life, like let's say year after year or 
every five years, like every five years after every five years, you can look at five year intervals. Hopefully your life is moving in a positive direction. It's not going to be moving in a good direction every day or every minute or every hour, every week or every month. There's always going to be setbacks. But over time, if you can set a time period and say, am I better off now than I was five years ago? That's good. If, if you can say yes. Similarly, if you can say, am I better off now than I was a year ago? You're doing it right. <laughs> that's, that's all that you can expect from life. Sometimes we can say I'm doing better now than I was a month or a week ago, which is great. But in those shorter time frames, you know, there's, there's a greater chance of, of you know, things turning around. Two final thoughts about moving. The first is that moving is a tremendous undertaking. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of physical activity that has to go on. There's a lot of planning that has to go on. Oh boy, it is one of my not so favorite things to do. But reframing it helps with the anticipation and any sort of the emotional or, or mental stress side of it. But as far as the physical side of things and just the logistics involved, I found that by breaking things down into a series of very small steps that I, I began several weeks ago, made it much more manageable. And by walking through each of those steps, it kept things under control and made sure that I was able to get where I needed to be. They made sure that landmarks were reached. Things got done. That's what that's, and they got done when they should have. And that's what really matters. But here's something I didn't expect. And I find this to be really interesting. When I finished the last step of moving, and that happened about two hours ago, the tow truck driver came and loaded up Erica's RAV4 onto his flatbed and then drove away with it. That was the very last thing that we had to get done. The, our stuff has already been shipped. We're all packed up. The pups are, are taken care of. They're chipped and they've got their little surgeries. All the big major life events are done. But as soon as that RAV4 left and I could check the last thing off the list, there was a tremendous sense of happiness and relaxation and accomplishment. I felt very accomplished. And that surprised me just how much happiness it brought to know there was nothing left to be done. And we still have 16 hours until the move. We're not leaving until tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning. So by setting forth a path, by setting forth a list of things that had to be done and working through that list and actually accomplishing things, I felt really good. And I wasn't expecting that. It's just something nice to note. And I suspect, and here's kind of what I'm thinking, is that by taking that approach for such a, such a big task, such as moving it and applying to other things in life, whatever that might be, if it's a remodeling job, if it's a, you know, another move, if it's starting a, a little league baseball team, or if it's just taking your dogs out for a walk in the afternoon, if you set forth a series of steps that you have to do, if you break it into a lot of little small iterations and work through those iterations, not only does it become more manageable, but you get a lot of more, you get a bigger sense of reward out of it. You get a bigger sense of accomplishment once you finish, which feels really good, <laughs> really good. And I'm going to try to use this approach for bigger tasks and, and other major challenges I have ahead of me for whatever life throws, throws my way, if it ever seems too overwhelming. Ah, okay. So I said I was going to talk about two more thoughts. Well, I actually talk about three more thoughts. So thought, I guess, let's just call this thought 1.5. The more of these situations that I go through, like moving or packing or all of that stuff, the, and the more accomplishments I have, the easier the next ones become. The smaller the pebbles in the road seem to be. So it's kind of analogous to, well, it's not analogous. Let me just put it in, as a metaphor. Actually, I don't know what the right term is. I have no idea. Maybe it's a simile. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, 
by breaking down really big rocks in life and continuing along the path, I find that the less rocks are not only smaller and require less effort to break down, I find that the next set of rocks are not only smaller, but they also require less effort to break down. Things become easier the more you do. If I don't do things, if I stay in my own shell and never try anything new, life is always going to have the same amount of difficulty. But by going out and expending a little bit more energy at first, the first time is always the hardest for whatever it is that you do, and then overcoming those challenges, then the next time you face something like that or even face something completely different, there it becomes easier and life isn't as challenging. And you can just kind of sort of float or cruise through life and enjoy it more and worry less. So there is something to be said for taking on these large experiences, getting through them, because they'll help you with the future big life experience. And there's always more in the future. Life's always going to keep throwing you things no matter what that is. Maybe we have a, a, a few days or a year or two in the sun where we get to relax, but there's always going to be some big challenge down the road. But the more challenges we undertake, the easier those next ones become. So the second thought and the final thought is how to make the process more enjoyable. Now, I know going into it that 40 hours is an awful long car trip. And I know once we get to Pendleton, there's a lot of work to be done in terms of unloading, setting things up, getting the house just the way we want it to. So I asked myself, how can I make this just sort of more fun and bring and bring more happiness every minute of the day? And what I decided was to observe to observe the trip, observe the surroundings, and keep in mind that I will probably never see whatever it is I'm looking at along the trip ever again. This might be the last chance to see Highway 2 across North Dakota. It might be the last chance to see a campground south of Bozeman. With that type of perspective, I won't take things for granted. I'll be aware. I'll be in the moment. And if I don't think take things for granted, and if I have that awareness and that heightened sort of just realization that I'll never be there again... I'm more engaged and by staying engaged, it drives, I don't, I don't have the right words to describe how it drives away the boredom or the tediousness, but it does. And it makes the experience that much more rich because it has more value. That's what it is. By realizing I may never see these things again, it adds to the value of those experiences that I try to hold on to and cherish and enjoy while I'm experiencing that. Additionally, as sort of a backstop, as sort of like a backup plan, I'm going to take with me things that I enjoy doing. And, and continue the activities that I enjoy along the way, such as taking pictures with my phone, listening to podcasts with Erica along the way, finding podcasts that we can both enjoy, playing with the puppy dogs, taking them for walks. I enjoy those activities. But I know I'm going to fill this trip up as much as possible with the things that I already enjoy. I just do them in a slightly different place. And that's going to be in addition to observing and being aware of the surroundings. So with those two mind frames, with the mindset of, cherish the moment you may never be here again and the mindset of knowing that i have a hobby or an activity to do along the way with that combination and looking at it through those two lenses or using other terminology if i reframe it to an opportunity to do what i enjoy somewhere else the trip's becoming really exciting i can't wait to show the pups parts of north dakota i can't wait to listen to some podcasts with erica and talk to her about them uh, it's going to be a chance i have to spend a lot of time with her and, and i don't get to do that very often and it's going to be a chance to take pictures of, of parts of the world that I enjoy. I might even get a chance to take a video while I'm out there. I'm even bringing my my microphone in the stuff in the truck. I'm, I'm even bringing my microphone, packing it with me in case I have a chance to sit down for an hour or two and do another podcast episode from the road. I have no idea what's going to await me, but I'm ready for it. And I'm looking forward to it. And I'm 
given every chance I have out there, every moment I have, I'm going to do something that I enjoy, whether that's observation or pursuing a hobby, but just take advantage of the moment and just don't stand around and let your, I'm not going to let my mind go idle and just drift off in the boredom and tediousness of, oh, now what? No, stay focused. Think about the moment. I'm going to, I'm going to stay focused in the moment and process things. Well, having said that, it is now time to make the final packing it is now time to make the final preparations, do the final packing, get everything into the car, get the dogs ready. We are now literally T minus 12 hours until departure. How exciting. The next podcast you hear will be from a completely different location. So, hey, guys, thanks for joining. It's been a real pleasure just spending some time with you. Well, thanks, guys. It's been a real pleasure just spending some time with you. And I hope you, you have some happiness. Find happiness out there. All right, everyone. Take care.